And now, it's time for the continuing story of Popcorn and Monsters, brought to you by CK and WWFD Productions. Chapter 3 A New Friend Larry lay on his back on the cold forest floor. He could feel the squelch of the leaves beneath him. The autumn rains had fallen since he was last conscious. How long ago was that? A few hours? A day? A week? Larry had managed to get his breathing under control, and that seemed to have slackened off on the raging pain that he had felt in his body. It hadn't gone away. It was there, lurking like a cat with its claws out, about to pounce on an unsuspecting mouse. It wasn't a cat, though, was it, Larry? It was a wolf. He had trekked to this faraway land in the hope that his beginnings would be revealed to him, find out about his folks. Would that have made him feel complete? Maybe, maybe not. He had had a good life, he was raised well, but he needed to know, he just... Needed to know. Had he doubted the legitimacy of the whole situation? Yes, of course. Should always have at least a degree of scepticism. But to this degree? Heck no. He thought maybe it could be a money-grabbing scam. But he didn't think that for long, because for that you need, you know, money to be grabbed. At no point, at no point... Did he consider the fact that he had an evil great-grandfather, who, it seemed, from the very brief glimpse he got before his mind said, I don't want to see this, was about to change into a werewolf. That's when he heard the creaking and breaking. He could feel the vibrations course through his body. No, 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 please don't let this happen. I don't want to be a werewolf. Then the noises and vibrations stopped, and he realised it wasn't him. It was the noise of a covered wagon that had stopped a little bit away from his prone body. Larry turned his head to take in the sight of the wagon. It was one of those old-timey-looking carts, such as you would see in a western, or the one the fortune teller from The Wizard of Oz had. He took it in. It looked old. Old and creaky. If this cart was a human, it would make a Hey! when it stood up from a chair. There was a sign on the side of the wagon. It said, Madam O'Connor, your fortunes and futures told. And Larry said, Now you show up. Couldn't have been at the train station when I arrived. No, no, that's not fair. Not their fault. But maybe they can help. Considering the lycanthropic circumstances of the past little while, having someone who could accurately tell my future seems almost banal by comparison. Larry forced himself to get up. He didn't want to. He had this insane idea that if he moved, he might wake the... the whatever that was lurking down in the darkness. It was okay, though. He managed to get to his feet and stumble over to the wagon the driver of which was hidden by the front hood of the canopy. That's not sinister at all. Yo. (gasps) Would people stop doing that? I really don't like jump scares. The voice came from the back of the wagon where an old woman stood. She stared at Larry 
and while her face showed the age of a long life full of adventure and experience, her eyes pierced him like a cliché in a romance novel. Are you in need of assistance, young traveller? Or do you just enjoy sleeping in the forest at night by yourself? I'm not a fan of camping with tents, never mind in just my clothes. I'm very much in need of help, though. Please. Come, come here. Let me fetch you something warm to drink and you can tell me how you got here. Larry paused at the idea of trying to explain the whole situation, but the pull of some nourishment put that to one side very quickly. He walked to the back of the wagon and climbed the small set of steps that led inside. His legs ached way more than they should after climbing three short stairs, but I guess laying on the forest floor for an undetermined amount of time won't do that. Once inside the wagon, he felt the heat hit him. There was a gasoline lamp burning on a table in the centre of the space. Either side of the table were two chairs. Nothing fancy. Just wooden chairs you would maybe see at Sunday church meetings before the beetle drive started. Madame O'Connor had his back to him in a corner. Her head down, it looked like she was pouring the drinks. Larry muttered in British, Please let be tea, please let be tea, please let be tea. Madame O'Connor turned round, a tall glass in each hand. Sit. You need to rest. Thank you. I really appreciate this. It's been a very, very weird time. I do not need the gift of sight to know that when we stumble across someone laying in this forest, that they did not get there by standard means. Now drink. She handed him the glass. He cupped it with both hands and welcomed the warmth. Raising it to his lips, he breathed in what could have been tea, could have been gravy, he didn't care, and swallowed nearly half of the glass in one go. It was delicious, warming him from the centre of his stomach outwards. Give me your hand. Hmm? Your hand? Give me your hand. Ah, sure, why not? Before he could stop himself, he said, I've never really believed in any of this stuff, you know. Horoscopes, tarot, that kind of malarkey. But hey, I'm on holiday! Woohoo! The fortune teller smiled at him. Oh no. I feel a bit squinky. Don't say you drugged me as well. Oh, come on. This is not my night. I have not drugged you. Not with anything bad. Merely a relaxant. What? Hush now. Give me your hand and let me help you. I am not your foe. Ah, you know what? Why not? After what's happened already, why the devil not? He flopped his hand onto the table, making it shake slightly. He thought he heard a grumble of annoyance from the driver of the wagon. Sorry about that. I don't really seem to have much control of my limbs at the moment. (laughs) The fortune teller looked at Larry with kind eyes as she lifted his hand and turned it so his palm was facing her. Larry was starting to feel even more relaxed. That was until she lowered her head and saw his palm. Oh, my young boy. My young soul. You, uh, you thinking my hand care routine needs work? That's what's making you have that look of burgeoning terror on your face? What is your name, my young soul? 
Talbot. Larry Talbot. The old woman looked at him for what seemed like way too long and then explained to him in a very gentle yet forceful manner. Young Talbot, she said, you have cursed blood in your veins and you are now the werewolf. That's your opener? Straight to I'm cursed? Don't I get at least a perfunctory you'll get married to a human? Have three gorgeous kids and maybe one that's not so gorgeous but they're really good on the drums? None of that? (sighs) Then in the blink of an eye he was thrown out of the back of the wagon and was, once again, on his back on the wet leaves. His stunned head looked up in time to see the driver, who seemed to be very rectangular in shape, turn his back to Larry and head to the front. There was a, Yeah! And the wagon was on its way. The fortune teller stood at the back, looking at Larry with sad but fearful eyes. I am sorry, young soul. Then they were gone into the mists of the night. Well, isn't this smashing? Absolutely spiffing, and no mistake. Couldn't just be a content orphan, could you, Larry? Oh, no. You had to Oliver Twist yourself all the way here. And now look at you, you silly biscuit. What happens for the encore? Flock of ravens come down and berate your choice of jacket. Perhaps a talking caterpillar with a pipe pops up to chastise me for wearing the wrong university tie. But none of these things happened. Would have been much better if they had. The more that Larry complained and shouted, the more his stress levels rose. And that's when it happened. The pain started in his head and then spread like hot lava throughout his body. A surging, insisting agony that made the time he stood on an upturned plug feel like a tickle. He wanted to scream. He wanted to call for help. All he could do was flip to his knees and beg to a hopefully existing God for some kind of mercy or explanation or help if he wasn't too busy. Thank you. This sounded something like, Ow, 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 bloody ow, 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 ow. He lay panting on the wet ground. He still wanted to scream, but the energy had fled from him, and all he could do was wince and yelp as the pain seemed to take control. How could things get worse? He wondered. And then his bones started to change. His body twisted and contorted, bones cracking, limbs shifting. If an observer had been watching, not only would they have discovered the real meaning of fear, they would have beaten the world record for the five-mile sprint. Young Talbot had long gone past the excruciating agony and seemed to watch himself in one of those out-of-body experiences that he'd seen on television with guests who lived in trees and called themselves Gandalf the Puce or Silky Tofu. He watched as he turned from being human to, well, a wolfman. When the transformation was complete, he found himself back inside his body, no longer watching himself from a distance. However, he abruptly realised that the terror of being a freaking wolfman topped being confused. It finally stopped. The pain had vanished. He rolled onto his back and this time when he held up his hand he realised that it was no hand anymore. It was a paw. Flipping big paw. 
However, the pain was gone. His heart rate was beating a healthy rhythm. Why are you so relaxed, you weirdo? You're a wolf man. Larry had to take a moment to let this settle. Okay, Larry. This is very much not what you had planned for this adventure. Let's gather what we know. You came here because you thought you were going to meet your dad. How did that pan out? Not well. My evil great-grandad and his crew of random misfits used my desire to find that out to get me here. That is correct. What happened after that? Well, it would seem that evil great-grandad was a werewolf, and he has now passed on that curse to me. I concur. So where are we at now? Well, currently... I am lying in repose on a forest floor after having suffered the worst pain I have ever experienced one hundredfold. And I think I am actually a wolfman now. Yep, that's about the size of it. They say that talking to yourself is a sign of insanity. However, I think we can allow Larry at this moment to get it out of his system. Larry got to his paws. I mean feet. I mean, Larry stood upright. He looked himself up and down and had one singular thought. Huh. My clothes still fit. A little tighter, what with all the fur, but nonetheless. He breathed in deeply and instantly coughed harshly. So many smells. Oh, my giddy aunt. Right. Vastly improved senses. <clears throat> that makes, you know, sense. It also explains why I think I just heard a snail burp. And then another sound took over. His new heightened senses picked out the noise of violin music coming from somewhere in the woods. The sweet music filled his supernaturally enhanced ears with a warm feeling that nearly dried the wetness from their furry points. Staggering forward on powerful legs, he headed towards the sound, crashing through bushes, stumbling onwards on limbs that were much stronger, but he was still new to this, and he did sometimes look like a foal that had just been born. Onwards he went, louder the music became, it was all-encompassing. And he had to get to it. There, over there, through those trees, he careened through them as if they were made of paper, and then he saw it. He saw where the music was coming from. It was coming from inside a cabin. He paused, only for the briefest of moments before moving forward again. His enthusiasm, while admirable, was clumsy. He tripped on the doorstep, and with his full weight he crashed through the door of the cabin, but in continuation with the night's weird events, he flopped forward and landed on a red beanbag chair. The violin music faded rapidly and was replaced by silence. He looked round to see who had been playing, but there was no one else here. Not one living soul. This night was just getting weirder and weirder. Had he imagined the music? Had his mind already split from reality into delusion? No. He had heard it, but that didn't change the facts. 
Surely this can't be part of the Wolfman deal. You get your own holiday home? What is this place? And then his senses kicked in. He could smell meat, but this had been cooked a while ago and was less interesting to his stomach. Less importantly, but more embarrassingly, was the smell that came from his wet fur, which, unfortunately, did smell like wet dog. As he looked round, he realised there was something else. Something that was odd. Even for this room. There was a door. Sort of. It seemed bloody and then fuzzy, but then it became as solid as an action figure's jaw. With a pulsating brow, young Talbot got a huge hit right up his nostrils. As soon as the door had become solid, he could smell belief. He didn't know how he knew it was belief, but it was, and it smelled a lot like popcorn. As the scent filled him, he was reminded of trips to the cinema watching films that he loved, and all of a sudden the fear and confusion that had been rampaging through his spirit was quelled. He wanted to know who or what was creating this feeling within him, and they were beyond that door. Just as he was about to push his body off of the beanbag, time seemed to slow. This was in no way to do with the tension or excitement of the situation. Time actually slowed. His ascent from the squishy chair became the speed of a climactic fight in any cliched action movie. He saw the ceiling open and very slowly through it descended a giant figure. The sight of the huge body filled his vision and he tried to get out of the way. Slowly. He didn't have to worry, however, because the body was falling at the same slow speed. So, feeling brave, Larry sat and waited with cradled arms. As whatever it was fell closer, the air filled with the sound of a harp's strings being stroked by a light hand. And as the chord reached its gentle crescendo, time started to speed up. And as the figure landed in Talbot's now slightly crushed lap, everything resumed normal service. Wolfman Larry instantly smelled terror and looked in shock into the face of a hideous creature. A creature with a slightly rectangular head and what seemed to be bolts at either side of his neck. This scarred monstrosity finally registered Larry's presence and promptly burst into tears. And that's where we leave Chapter 3 of Popcorn and Monsters. Join me again in a fortnight as we continue the tale. And now, I would like to give a shout-out to the producers of this episode. So let me thank Kelly Van Dutch surname, Rachel Miller, Amber Schilder, Rihanna Potas, Carla Crawford, thank you for increasing your pledge, Carla, Connie, Fiber Ash, Dalen Pear, Brandy Johnson, Stephanie Mattingly, Nicole Snyder, Nietzsche Florea, I know that's not the way to pronounce your name, but I like doing it. Katie Bischoff, Samantha Mason, and Alicia Tully. Thank you all so much. I hope you're enjoying this 
as much as I would like to think you are. <laughs> if you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash popcorn and monsters. At the moment, we've got three tiers, one, five and eight dollars. One gets you a shout out on the show. Five dollars gets you a shout out. Plus you get a sticker, a badge and a postcard. At eight dollars, you get the same. Plus you get an exclusive Patreon producer's mug. After two months of joining, plus you get your name said after every episode of the show. I will be adding an extra feature very soon. I will be writing about the history of the monsters in Popcorn and Monsters. I will be writing about how Dracula came to be, how Frankenstein's monster came to be, the mummy, all that kind of thing. Just as a bit of an interesting addition. But till the next showing, take care of yourselves. Bye for now.